Welcome to the Leverage Your Potential podcast. This podcast is hosted by the director and assistant director of Menlo College's Office of Internships, Career Services, and Study Abroad, Dylan Hool and Kelly Davis, in partnership with Menlo's Content Creation Club. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Menlo College's Leverage Your Potential podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Hool, Director of Internships and Career Services, and I'm joined today by Frank Wasilewski, Senior Manager at the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. Hi, Frank. Hey, Dylan. How you doing? Uh, I'm really happy to be here today. And we're happy to have you, and I'm looking forward to an exciting conversation. Uh, just some background for our audience, you know, you and I know each other because you uh, were the chief financial officer at Menlo College for several years and our paths crossed here at Menlo College and, and also at the University of San Francisco. And now you're with Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. And what we'll be talking about with Frank today is his career path. He started in accounting and obviously uh, now he's senior finance manager at CZI. So maybe that's a good place to start, Frank. Can you just introduce yourself, a little bit of your background, and your current role at CZI today? Sure, yeah. So Frank Wasilewski. So today, um, I am the Senior Manager of Finance for Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, uh, which is located in Redwood City. Um, I live in Redwood City, so that was a really nice opportunity for me to be really close to the office. And then the global pandemic hit, and now my office is at home anyway. Um, but it was, uh, it was, it is a good place to be and, and I'm really happy to be there. Uh, started my career in accounting. So I went to Sonoma State and was an accounting major. And really it was, um, I didn't know I was going to be in accounting. I, I went to school and I, you know, I thought actually my thought was I was going to be in a business management major and I wanted to manage or own a restaurant someday. That was my plan out of high school. And the main reason for that was because I, uh, I worked in restaurants through, through my high school days. Uh, you know, I was a server and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, bus boy, I started as a bus boy, then was a server. And so I really liked the restaurants. I liked cooking. I, I liked that kind of thing. So I thought, okay, well, be a, go into business management, you know, maybe run my own business. Uh, maybe it'd be a restaurant business. And then in my second year of college, I had uh, the second accounting class, which is managerial accounting. And we had this great professor who was an adjunct professor. Uh, he was also a tax, tax preparer by his normal job as tax preparer, but he taught on the side. And he looked at me and a couple of my friends. Uh, there was two, two, two buddies that I was in. Like We took pretty much all of our classes together. And he asked us, hey, what's your guys' majors? And we had done really well in the first accounting class. And then this was our second round. You know, it's our second class. Um, and, and all of us, you know, one of my buddies was finance and one was, uh, marketing and I was management. And he was like, so basically he said, well, do you guys want a job when you graduate college? And we were like, well, well, yeah, that, that's what, that's the, that's the goal. That's what we're here for. And he said, well, switch your major into accounting. And, um, you know, you can come to this meet the firm's event. And, and we were like, okay, I, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And so he, he let us go to um, the Meet the Firms event. Or, well, so we, so we all decided, okay, let's, let's see what this is all about. So we went to the Meet the Firms event. We were young. We were probably sophomores in college. Um, and, and basically at the Meet the Firms event, we got to meet all these companies, all these accounting firms. And we started networking and, and passing our resume, which was not pretty at the time. I mean, not much experience. I played baseball for school, so I didn't have a ton of time to do a lot of other stuff, although I did 
hold a job when I was on an on-campus job, did get baseball and, and had, um, and then had pretty good grades. And so the goal was, you know, we gave my resumes and, and we got to meet all these different companies. And at the time they were all like the big four accounting firms were there. Actually, I think at that time it was big five. Um, that was before Anderson was take was, was went under. Um, so it was a really cool event and all of us said, wow, this is like a really good way to get a job when we graduate because of the networking opportunities and, um, and a career at like a big four accounting firm or even the smaller regional firms is a great start to a career no matter what I wanted to pursue. So I thought if you're going to run a business, you ought to know the accounting side anyway. So this was a really good intro into um, a, a good career entry. And so all three of us switched our majors to accounting and then Two of us ended up getting internships with uh, Deloitte, and we did that during our junior year summers, and then got offers to be full-time employees um, there. My other friend uh, got a job in accounting with a different company, um, kind of different than public accounting, but that's what he went into, and he's still at the same company um, in, in, their, in their accounting and leadership roles there. So um, yeah, it ended up being a great start to our careers um, using, using the and, and, and I always tell the students when I talked to them when I was at Menlo, I always told them, hey, get involved early. Be a part of the accounting club or the finance club or whatever club it is because that will get you – the people that are on those teams are the ones that get to talk to the companies. And they're the ones that get to really make the impression on the companies. And you're not just a piece of paper because the whole goal in getting a job is you can't just be that piece of paper, that resume. Um, and that's really what the Meet the Firms helped us with. At Sonoma, accounting had the best um, kind of involvement, like that, that club and all of that. The finance group had a little bit, but there wasn't a lot of people getting jobs out of, as many jobs out of those, as those majors. So accounting really was a really good thing for us to focus on. And, you know, it's been, I can, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later, but I mean, it's been a really good start to my career. Frank, when you... I uh, had that professor tell you about um, the meet the firms and the, and the accounting job market and the security and stability uh, of that career path. Was it almost instantaneous for you making that switch into going into accounting? Uh, where, did, where did the aspirations to be a restaurant owner fit into that plan? Were you thinking actively, okay, I'll be an accountant and then I'll be a restaurant? owner or did you just totally transform your career goals after attending that meet the firms event no so um i i still always had the goal i i still today have a goal of i would love to own a restaurant or a bar and and that would be something that i could do um it it's just for me it wasn't and and now it's not the the stable thing and 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 kind of the thing that i would i think i would really like that and love it although i've worked at the restaurants and i've seen the managers and i've seen the owners and i mean it is a crazy a crazy job and and there is there is a small amount that actually succeeds so it has always remained something that i said okay i'm going into accounting i'm not necessarily going to be an accountant for the rest of my life that that was kind of my goal going in and i think that's a lot of goals of uh, students that, that I was doing the internship with, all of us said, yeah, this is an awesome job, awesome uh, resume builder, awesome uh, experience. I mean, you get experience with amazing companies, um, but it's not necessarily, I don't want to be a partner. And, and I think that it rings true because in our starting class of like 50, 
Um, you know, you, you, the cool thing about an account, a big accounting firm is you do kind of keep in touch with a lot of those people. And it's really funny how many times I come across the same people. And actually at CZI, I, I report to a person that I knew at Deloitte. So my first, first year, first job out of college, I, I, we met and I, I, under, I knew this person. And what is that, 20 years later almost? Um, I, I'm working with that same person. And so it is a really small world how that works when you network with everybody. Um, so, so I still kind of kept those thoughts that it wasn't, and, and most of my starting class, oh, that's, sorry, I missed that point. The starting class started about 50 people. And I think like two or three of them are still with Deloitte and our partners um, at Deloitte. And then there's a couple others, you know, a handful of others that went to a different firm and maybe are partners at a smaller firm. Um, but I mean, of 50, it's probably five and everybody else has gone out and done different things, done accounting, done like I've done where you were in accounting and then you kind of moved up and, and maybe became a CFO um, and got into a little bit more of the finance side. Other people that kind of said they left accounting right, out, right after a couple of years and went into more of the financial planning and analysis side. So um, it was just a really great, and that's what I saw it as my whole time when I was graduating in school, it was like, makes a lot of sense to do this as my major because it's going to give me the really best opportunities, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be in accounting for the rest of my life. And although I ended up, actually, I really, I, I ended up liking a lot more accounting um, than I thought when I was younger. Yeah, I think a lot of um, students are drawn to the accounting major because of the foundational job opportunities and career development that they get through internships at those big four or regional firms. And then, uh, you know, the first four or five years of your work experience with, you know, well-known companies. But you brought up a point that I think is um, widely recognized. The, the turnover at those companies, at those big four is quite high. You know, a student will stay or, or an employee will stay for maybe the first three to five years after college and then seek out something new, just as you did. So, that's my, my next question for you. you. You took this fairly traditional route right after college and um, began working in, in Deloitte's audit practice. And you know, for an accounting major, that's a dream job. Reflecting on your own experience there, what did you enjoy about working in a big firm? And what skills do you really feel you gained that you take with you to this day? And then what ultimately motivated you to seek out a different opportunity after I think it was about five years you were there. So take us through take us through that decision making process. Sure. Um, and, and so first of all, the the things that I just really enjoyed about working for a big firm like Deloitte was the experience that you get and the training that you get. And that is something that I've realized later in my life um, that you just don't get that at every job. It, you know, people, you come in, you start a job and it's like, okay, hit the road, hit the road running and, and you got to start just getting into your work. And there's not a lot of time for professional development because you're doing your job, you're doing all that. The big firms, because they bring in these classes of people, you know, and it's like 50 of you at once. I don't know what it is nowadays. Maybe it's, maybe it's 60, maybe it's, I don't know. Um, but what it was then, it was about a group of about 50. And they put you through like a full training, you know, right when you get there, you're in a two week training period. Then you start doing more like on the job skills. And, and it starts out with, you know, the first year's focus on some of the more simple um, 
activities on an audit, like auditing cash and auditing accounts receivable, you know, some of the, some of the areas where it's a fixed asset, some of the areas where it's a little bit easier. And so, um, and then you, then, then the cool thing is you evolve and you do those pretty well for that first year. And then during your second year, you're not doing the same thing. You're doing different parts of the audit. And then by your third year, you're starting to lead the audit. So you're getting that management experience along with the more challenging um, audit items, uh, audit, audit areas. So, so I think I love that. I love that you, you, you got to trans, you got to move up, you got to moved up the ladder with different challenges and opportunities. Um, you got a ton of training and professional development and it was a big focus. Um, you also started with like a class, you know, when you go into just a, a company where let's say you just went into the accounting department and you're the staff accountant, you got hired into that one position, but you didn't start with a bunch of other people. So you just kind of enter into that office and, and you may be similar age, you may be whole, you know, way younger than, than everybody else in the office. You know, the culture might be different. It's different, like maybe if you get into a tech company, you know, it, it, there's all sorts of different companies that you can get into, but it's a different feeling. And when you all start together, it's, it's, more, like, it's more like an extension of college. And, and you had this like class, you were, you were the first year class together. And I still will see people, you, you know, or like communicate with someone on LinkedIn or email or something. And it's like, yeah, Hey, remember back when we were first years together and you, you, you have that bond. It's almost like, uh, you know, like I said, like college or like doing an MBA program, you have a cohort and, um, that is, so I loved those parts about the job. I loved that we got to go work with all sorts of different companies. We weren't just in, uh, you know, we, you would go do an audit at all, t all types of different companies from real estate to tech to um, clothing companies like Gap or Williams-Sonoma, stuff like that, uh, retail. So you've got experiences in a lot of different things. And the cool thing was I got to see how a lot of companies are because you go into their, their, their company and you got to see like, wow, I would never want to work in this place. And then you saw others that you're like, wow, this place is really cool. Like I would really, this, this really fits what I appreciate about work. And I think that, that would be a really cool place to work. So right. uh, that, that, that is one, those are the big things I saw. Uh -huh. One of the things that you mentioned there that uh, stood out to me from my own uh, research into the job market and kind of the career escalator is that, is that training element that the accounting firms offer that I think in the past 20 to 30 years, companies have really gone away from a really rigorous training model and they expect students uh, or employees to come with all of the knowledge necessary to do the job. And there's not a lot of professional development uh, that goes into a new hire. Mm -hmm. um, what is it about the accounting industry that, that emphasize, why do they emphasize the training still to this day when a lot of other industries and companies are moving away from that model of heavily investing in a new hire. Yeah, and I think I think it's very specific to like the public accounting um, areas that that the training is very key because you can go get an accountant job at, at a company, and I think that's going to depend on the company how their professional development is. But in the public, in and especially the big four, I mean, I think one focus is their um, their rep uh, their, their reputation. Right, they need to send out people that that they have confidence that they know what they're doing. And you don't, I mean, no offense to a college graduate. I was once, a, I was one at one point, 
Um, but you don't usually send a college graduate just straight out of college into a company and expect and expect them to be, you know, have everything down and know how to do everything. So they want to train you up. I think that one of the keys is they want to train up to keep their reputation and they want to train you up because they want you to do this, this pretty important job and they want you to do it the correct way. Um, they don't want you, you know, going out there and maybe not doing it 100 percent or, uh, doing it a different way that actually doesn't really doesn't really uh, do the job correctly. So I believe um, those are a couple of reasons why the public accounting sector is is like, yeah, we still need to really focus on the training. And also because they start with a class, right? So it's, it's this big group. So there's there's an economy to scale, right? You can send people to training and, and all of those people go to the same training and you're all doing it together. So it's one time. Whereas when you're the staff accountant, you know, your training is different from the senior accountant, is different from the assistant controller. So it's a little bit harder to find those, those professional development opportunities, and especially as a group. They're not going to go to the same conference or, or meeting or, or, or presentations. Um, so I think that, that's another piece of it for the big four, especially for the big four. And after about five years with Deloitte, you decided to make a pivot and do something different with your career. Uh, talk us through what you did next and kind of the economy that you found yourself in, you know, very quickly after making that change and how you handled that. Yeah. So, so in audit, um, you know, I learned a lot of great skills in audit. And one thing I think people get, um, I, I, that, that people have like a, a viewpoint of like what an accountant is. And it's funny because like, I'm probably, people don't usually pick up that I'm an accountant and and the, but the funny thing is, when you join a public accounting firm, there's a lot of, I mean, you're communicating with a client and you're actually bringing that client like bad news. You're coming in and you're checking, you're, you're checking what they did and then telling them you did that wrong. So there, there's a lot of tact that you have to learn in that. And, and, and typically a client, because the client hires you to do this work. So, so if you're, if you're not really tactful, the, the client's like, we're going to go with someone else. We don't want to do, I, I get that they have to tell us we're wrong but we don't want to deal with this person. And so there's a lot of like being able to uh, communicate with different communication styles that you learn at all the different jobs that you're on. And, um, and you have to work with these people and you learn to, it's, it's really a collaboration, but also coming in and telling them, Hey, yeah, we did this. This was, this journal entry was entered the wrong way. It, it created this problem. Let's, let's look to how to fix that, how to fix that going forward. And so being able to like bring those things up and have, good conversations without it going south. So I always really like that part of the accounting job. I, I, I like talking to people. I like collaborating with people. I like teamwork. Um, and, and, but in, a, in an audit, you, you know, it's, it's kind of a cycle. You kind of do the same thing each cycle, each audit. And so I was getting a little bit tired of that and I wanted something different. And, and what I initially saw that is, is I didn't want to be in accounting anymore. I want to do something different. And so I went into work for Wells Fargo Advisors which actually when I started, it was AG Edwards, which had just turned into Wachovia Securities. And so this time frame was 2008, January, 2008. I start, um, I start this new venture into being a financial um, planner, you know, helping people with their retirement and, thing, and, and their finances. Um, and so the great thing about it was I got a lot of training. I mean, they, that, that's another industry. They really train you up. You pass your series seven, you pass this other exam. You have to take a couple exams. Um, and, and so it was, I learned a lot because it was stuff I didn't know about finances and how to trade stocks and how to trade bonds and how to buy bonds and all these different things. 
Um, so that was really cool, all this learning. And then meanwhile, while I'm there, it's 2008 and the, and the economy is starting to, is starting to get to that point that we all know. And by September, basically the economy is crashing and Wachovia bank is files for bankruptcy. And that's when the company turned into Wells Fargo advisors a month later. So, and all at that time is exactly when my training program was ending and I was like coming to the workforce and was going to be, you know, that, that industry is commission-based. Um, and so you're talking about starting your career in a commission-based uh, retirement planning when everybody's panicked. Um, everybody doesn't, no one knows what to do. It, it's, it's, you know, it's the base, basically the biggest uh, recession since the Great Depression. So, um, so anyway, so, so that all happened. I had done an audit at the University of San Francisco. I was on the audit team there. I really liked the team. I really liked the manager there. Um, and they happened to reach out to me later in 2008 in like November, December. And they had said, hey, we, we need an assistant controller. And at the time I was like, cause I was doing the financial planning thing and, and they were saying, oh, it, you know, this will pass just like they always, this will always pass. And at about January, my, my cousin um, was in that industry and he's like my mentor. He's about t 10 years older than me, been very successful in doing retirement plans for companies, uh, doing a lot of that financial planning, financial advisor stuff. And he, at that point, it was January, he said, you know, I, I don't know, this thing might not just pass. This is a little bigger than, than maybe, you know, people are thinking it is. And at that point, I was like, oh, and I called back USF, and I was like, hey, I, I am interested. Have you guys hired for the position yet? And luckily, they, they had not hired for the position yet. It was in, like, their final rounds of interviews, and they were like, yes, come in next week. And so I did. I ended up getting the job and became the assistant controller at the University of San Francisco, which was – so it was back into accounting – um, but what I really liked about it, what I found out that I didn't love about the financial advising role was it was more sales and, and I don't love the sales side of like people. I, I liked more like teamwork and collaboration with people. Um, and I couldn't figure out how to make that with kind of the sales piece. And so I just, I just didn't feel like that was my, I didn't love the financial advising like I thought I would because, because I am a people person, I thought it would be like all this you know, it would, I would be good for that, but it just, it didn't, it didn't meet what I really enjoyed about work and being part of a team um, as, as an assistant controller really was the more people, um, you know, kind of teamwork collaboration that I actually enjoy at work. So went back into accounting as the assistant controller at USF. And, um, you know, we can talk a little bit about like my transitions there. I was assistant controller and then the controller and then um, the AVP, which is like the Associate Vice President for the Business Finance Department, which, which was all the general accounting and accounts payable, payroll. Um, so that, that, that was my transgression there over the nine years or so that I was there. And fun fact for the audience, that's actually where you and I met. Um, I was on the alumni engagement team for about four years there while you were uh, in the business office. And we met at a USF Dons baseball game. Uh, having a beer in their new beer garden. I think it had just been just been finished. Uh, yep. It was one of the first or second games that they were playing there. Um, so it was good to meet you there very briefly. And then, of course, we got to know each other much better uh, at Menlo College. But I'm curious about what the transition was like to higher education as an industry. I mean, Deloitte, 
Wells Fargo, Wachovia, all very different from uh, higher education. And what did you find yourself needing to learn that was unique to higher education? And what did you like about working in higher ed? And, and you mentioned the teamwork uh, element. Uh, how was it interacting with the students, the faculty, the staff, you know, just generally what was the ecosystem like for you and what did you enjoy? Yeah, so I mean, first off, it was, I really just enjoyed working in the, in the higher education industry. You know, it kind of keeps you, you're not just going into an office every day, you're going into an office, but you're surrounded by students. And so you see what the students are up to, you see the cool things that people are doing, students are doing on college campuses. And there's just so much fun, um, that young energy uh, that you get from working at a college, which is really great. Um, so I really loved that part of it. I, um, it, you know, you had to, I had to learn a little bit more of, because from that point, before that point, I was always on the outside looking in and doing an audit, right? And so I actually had to come in and become more of an accountant and do journal entries and how to issue the financial statements, not, not audit the financial statements, but actually issue the financial statements. Um, and, then, and then I had a team of people reporting to me. Um, and so, so that was, I had to learn the skills that go along with managing people and learn, you know, not everyone's like me, right? I, I'm pretty extroverted and, and some, some people are extroverted and learn really well with that sort of energy. And then others are, are on the introvert um, part of the scale and learn with a different side uh, and, and energy. And so being a leader, you kind of have to manage, you have to, you have to really see that as you you see your team and the different ways that you, that you have to interact with certain team members. And so I really learned a lot of that um, while at USF. Um, and, and so that was really exciting for me. Um, what else did I do? So, so yeah, I think, I think those are the main, the, the main challenges of, of just le learning how to work with the team. Like I, I, I would come in, uh, I can give you an example. I came in and I was like, oh, this process is kind of broken. You know, we need to fix this process. And you know, I, I've seen how that process could potentially work. And so I was like, all right, let's do that. Well, two weeks later, you know, we, we kind of changed the process over. And then two weeks later, that tr process had a trickle-down effect and totally affected the way someone else was having to do their job. And I didn't realize that at the start. And it was like, well, how did, you, how did this change? What happened? And so that really made me realize, okay, you really got to get input from all different sides before implementing a change. You can't just... I mean, I don't think, I think you can, I think some people do, but, but I think the best way to implement a change is to understand the process completely so that when you're trying to fix it, you're fixing it for that part of the process, but then you're also fixing it to make sure that anything going on on the after, after fact, uh, after, after, after the main part of the process, that that trickle down effect doesn't um, affect people negatively. So I, you know, I learned that right coming in. You know what that makes me think of is when, um, one country or, or state will build a dam on their part of the river and then another country downriver or state downriver has to deal with the consequences of the diverted water flow or uh, just, the, just the changes that that makes to the ecosystem. So it's very much like that as you move up in leadership, every decision that you make uh, goes downstream and affects how everyone else is able to, to do their job. So I think that's a, that's a great um, experience and learning opportunity to really think holistically about the decisions you make as a leader. Um, well, and that brings us to your career journey at Menlo College, where 
uh, you became the chief financial officer. And in fact, you were succeeding uh, President Weiner, who was the executive vice president for finance, and then he had been promoted to the presidency. You came in and succeeded him as the CFO. And you know, at least by title, that is, that is your most senior position um, to date. And so, or, or up until that, that time. And so I was, you know, researching some of the interviews you had given um, to Menlo College Magazine when you had been onboarded. And one of the things that struck me, because I know you and I know your personality and you've, you've already alluded to this, that you're very outgoing and gregarious. And I think our audience can pick up on that uh, based on this uh, podcast alone. But you're not what someone, uh, what I think of when I think of accounting. Um, and you and you said that yourself. One of the things that you said is uh, in this interview was that you really wanted to get involved with the college life, uh, being involved with the students. Um, you even you know came to classes and club meetings and just got yourself deeply involved. And you're not the type of professional that's behind a computer crunching numbers on a spreadsheet. And it just got me thinking, what is it about this type of work? that you find the most fulfilling? I know you're very team oriented and you like the relationships, but I'm wondering if you could speak to the work itself and, and particularly through the, through the lens of a, of a current undergraduate student who might have a personality similar to yours, who's wondering, yes, it's a stable career path, um, but is it a match for my personality? What am I going to really enjoy about this work? How am I contributing? to my community or how does it align with my values, those types of things. And, and how do you think about finance and accounting as it relates to your own values and, and what you find fulfilling? Sure. Um, so, so I think, yes, what drew, drew me to Menlo College was the small size and the fact that I would be uh, much more engaged in like the day-to-day -day process of, of higher education. Um, and also be on doing the finance and accounting sides of it as well. And so, because at USF, you could vary, it's, it's a larger institution. It's not, it's not huge, but it's large. And so you can easily, um, you know, I had staff, staff members that, that they would go into the office and you could walk into the office and literally do, do your work and then go out kind of the back door and leave, leave campus. And you wouldn't really know that you were on a college campus. We had some student employees, which I always liked to engage with them. And a lot of time they were accounting majors. So I felt like my experiences, I could, I could talk to them about my experiences and, and what they're going through. So that was always fun. But other than that, you weren't, you know, I was in my office doing my, my work for the business, uh, which was just happened to be a college. Um, and, and so it, it, was, it was harder to engage with a lot of the students at USF and, and just finding the time for that. Whereas when I get, did come to Menlo, that was one of the things I was interested in. And I found that that was totally true. You know, my door was open, students would pop in, say hi. Um, I got to go into classrooms, uh, guest, guest lecture in classrooms, um, do other activities along, you know, on campus with students. And so that part of the job was really cool because I just feel like, you know, I, have, I, I, I had some information to share. And, and I felt like I could align with like what a lot of the students were going through. Um, I was a first generation college student as well. So my parents, you know, they always supported me and, and wanted me to go to college. That was always the goal. But, and my sister was the first, she was older than me. Um, and our cousins in, in that, in my generation, all of us pretty much, almost all of us went to college. Um, but none of our parents had, and none of, none of our grandparents had. 
And so like the guidance from them coming out of high school was not, you know, we didn't have a ton. It was, it was kind of on us to, to figure out, okay, well, what college should I go to? How should that work? What should my major be? You know, they did, my parents did not say, oh, you should major in this. You should, it was, it was up to me. And I kind of was like, well, business, like I said, business management, that sounds, that sounds right. And, and I still always say to this day, like, I do think that's a good foundation for anybody, a business uh, degree, because even if you want to go into psychology or, or something, um, you, you may have to run your own practice and having some business um, sense and savvy is going to help you no matter what part of your life you're in. So I, I just felt like that was a good default. Um, and, and so I did, I did enjoy uh, at Menlo that, that small close knit community and just being way more involved. I mean, I was involved in housing and, and setting prices for housing and helping students when they didn't have a room or, or all the, some, it also came along with some things that were more, maybe a little bit more challenging. Um, you know, talking about financial aid with students, those things are not easy to talk about and, and understand, but it did, I do feel like I made connections with students, which was really important to me. And that's when you realize, cause finance, finance and accounting is finance and accounting anywhere. You know, you could work at a college, you could work at, a restaurant you can work at there's different inputs and things but really finance and accounting is the same at all these different companies and businesses um and so to be able to get good fulfillment out of my job i like to work for a place that i know is doing good in the world um and i know like when i worked at usf when i worked at menlo those were really um really great things that i just knew oh wow you're working at a college and you're you're trying to trying to teach the next generation on on you know, what to do in life with, with ethics. And, um, and I, so I just feel like it was always a really uh, cool position in a way that you can still be in accounting and finance, but, um, but feel good about the place you're working. You're not just going after the revenues. You're not just going after the bottom line and increasing value to shareholders, pushing things out of the way that maybe taking an unethical approach. Um, Cause there's companies out there that do those types of things. And, and I just feel like, um, you know, being proud of what, what the company does is, is a big part of the place I work. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm hearing you right, being, being mission-driven, mission-aligned with your employer is really where the fulfillment comes for you. Yeah, totally. I, I, I think that's a big part, for sure. So a quick detour before we get into your work at CZI, which, is, you know, is all about mission and vision. Um, <laughs> But I know you're an avid sports fan. You you said earlier that you played baseball at Sonoma State University. You're a collegiate athlete. Uh, here at Menlo College, you know, an average of 40 to 50% of Menlo students are student athletes any given year. And that's a big part of the culture here. And one thing that I hear a lot from employers is that they have a real interest in hiring student athletes. And so we, you know, we promote that to employers that we talk to, that we have a, a sizable student athlete pop population. I think there are some obvious reasons like being coachable, being dedicated to your craft uh, that make a student athlete appealing. I'm curious what your perspective is. Do you feel that your experience as a student athlete helped you in your career? And if so, in what ways? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, first of all, yes, it, it totally helped me in my career and just my life development. I think first and foremost was in college, um, maybe before you realize it, right? You're, you're dedicated to a sport but you're also dedicated to school and, and not everybody is like that. Right. But I think the better, the better people are, the better student athletes. And what I saw at Menlo 
a majority of those student athletes were dedicated to their sport and also dedicated to their class. And so um, that was the big thing that you had to juggle, right? And so you're, so you're just learning right there. You're learning time management, how to do multiple things. I had a roommate in college, which, which I love him. He's a great guy. But like, you know, he went to class every day and, and did good in school, but like didn't have a job, didn't have a sport. And I was just, I, I was just so confused. Like, I mean, there must be just so much time in the day. And so, um, and so I, I, I really realized that, you know, I wanted to dedicate myself to obviously doing well in school, also being a part of the baseball team and, and being at practice every day, working out with everybody. So, I mean, there's a big time commitment there. There's the out of, out of practice stuff that you're doing, you're doing, going to the gym, working out. And then on top of that, I would, I had a, it wasn't like a, a really intense job, but I had an on-campus job where we worked, you know, I worked at the store and did various things for like the student store. Um, and then, and then also was a part of the accounting um, club and did, a, you know, I didn't do, I wasn't the president. I, I didn't take on that role, but I did a small part. I was on the board and, and did some, some things there. So it just, you know, college and being a student athlete taught me how to manage your time and be able to juggle multiple things at once, which at work I juggle, and especially like at the CFO at, at Menlo or the ADP at USF, I juggled all sorts of things. Um, and, and now in my role at CTI, I'm juggling all different departments and how to, what, when to communicate with which one. So I think that, that was a really good skill that I learned. Um, and then the other thing, I think the, one of the big things was just the teamwork and collaboration. You know, ultimate, ultimate teamwork, ultimate collaboration when you're part of a, a, a sports team. You know, you're all working towards the same goal. You got to work together. When, when people aren't working together, you don't succeed. And, and I, I've seen that. We had a year where we had a couple guys that were, you know, thought they were better more than the team. And um, we had our worst years those years. And then I've seen where we maybe had maybe not as talented a guys, but we just had guys that wanted to work together and work hard towards that end goal. And we went to, you know, the regional finals that year. So um, I, uh, I think that is a main, that, that's probably the biggest thing that I learned and different personalities, you know, you got, and in, in a work life, you, you go into an office, you have totally, you know, you, you have all sorts of different personalities and you have to figure out ways to work together as a team with all of those different personalities. And I think the most successful people uh, learn to, cause I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in the work, the work, the work is the work. Like, you know, you can, you can, most people can do the work. Like you can, you can do the work, but it's the people that know how to collaborate and do that work in conjunction with others and work as a team together to get a project done. Um, those are the, those are the things that really um, will stand out uh, to, to, to people like as a, as a, as a, you know, as a top employee of the company. Um, so yeah, that, those are the main things I think I got from my college sports career. And then I will say my college sports career, I, I did not start. I wasn't like the best player on the team. I sat the bench most of the time. Um, but it was awesome to be out there, a part of the team and really, um, you know, really, really being out there every day and, and just committing to it. I like what you're saying about teamwork and it actually makes me think of, of organizations like CZI um, that are philanthropic minded, social justice minded, impact minded. My take on it, and, I, and you correct me if I'm wrong or give me your perspective on this, is organizations like CZI are essentially trying to do teamwork at global scale. 
get a variety of organizations, states, countries, people uh, to tackle important moonshot type initiatives. Uh, so there's almost a translation from you know, the teamwork of a sports team to the teamwork uh, that an organization like CZI is trying to, to lead. Um, tell us a little bit about what your exact role is at CZI, but more importantly, or, or bigger picture, what is CZI trying to do? What's their mission? What's their vision? Sure. Um, so my specific role is senior manager of finance for the central initiative, which is basically more of the administrative um, functions of CZI. And so we have a senior manager of finance for each of the initiatives. And at CZI, there's three main initiatives. And so uh, that, that person, my role, is we kind of call it like the CFO of that initiative. And so we have CCI has the education initiative, science initiative, and then the justice and opportunity initiative, which is called joy. And um, so the education initiative is, is focused on the United States education K through 12. That's its primary focus. They've come up with a technology uh, that they've invested into basically this technology solution that has been rolled out to many schools across the country and is rolling out to more, uh, um, you know, over, over time. And they feel, or CCI, we feel that this is a really good technology to bring students a better uh, learning experience in their in their schools. A lot of public schools, it's and it's and it, and it's free to all these schools that that use this technology. Um, so that's a really exciting thing in the education sector. And then in science, their 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 the the mission basically is to cure or manage all disease by 2100. So like you said kind of a moonshot goal there. And these last couple of months, we've been hit with like a major uh, part of this, uh, trying to cure, find a vaccine for COVID-19, um, which CZI has been a big part of it. And, and really, you know, given, given Mark Zuckerberg and, and his wife, Priscilla Chan, their background, <clears throat> a lot of the science is focused on um, bringing technology to science and collaboration. So creating a network where all of the research papers are held in one place and they can easily go research, open source, you know, research to see what, what, um, what uh, papers are out there on certain disease or vaccines or maybe two things have parallels. The whole idea is that the technology will help make, you know, if there's a certain thing in Ebola that is similar to something in COVID-19, maybe we can find that link using some of this technology and then be able to research and, and, and do something uh, to, to get a new, um, a new cure or vaccine for, for the disease. So that's the science sector. And then justice and opportunity is really the social justice side where they're looking at housing, uh, affordable housing for everybody in the country. So if we're really focused on the United States. Science is a little more global. Education and joy are much more focused in the United States. Um, so that the housing, immigration, um, working a lot with the dreamers, uh, funding and, and giving grants to uh, companies, I mean, sorry, uh, not-for-profits that are trying to make, um, make better paths for dreamers, um, and DACA students, the, those types of things. So got that and um, sorry, housing, immigration, and, um, and, then just, and then just social justice, uh, to, you know, in general, uh, trying, to bring, trying to bring a better, more cohesive United States. Um, so, those are the things that, that it's really focused on. I, it started from Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Priscilla Chan. Um, so, you know, it has a Facebook affiliation, but there's no, well, there's no affiliation with Facebook. It's just that 
um, Mark and Priscilla are the owners of CCI and it's all of their personal funding. That's what they put in. They wrote a letter to their daughter when their daughter was born and that's how CCI was born. A letter to say, we want a better world for you when you get, when you are older. And so their effort is put into CCI with, with their, their personal money and to do all of these amazing things. And, and every day I'm, I'm at work, I see a lot of the really cool things that CCI is doing. And I mean, big, big changes, you know, and some are small grants that go to places that that, that money goes a really long way. Others are very large grants that go a long way in research and, and finding cures for disease. So um, it's, it's, yeah, I feel really good about being here. I feel really good about what they're doing. And it's, it's, you know, it's similar to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. That's really what their ambitions to be similar to that, to that sort of um, what, what we have all seen, what Bill and Melinda Gates have done. And I, and I think that that's definitely uh, possible. Uh, CZI is poised to become, I think, or be one of the most important philanthropic minded, research minded uh, institutions on the planet. And I'm thrilled that you get to see it firsthand and check in with us every once in a while and tell us what's going on over there. Um, we like to end every podcast with uh, the same question for every guest, which is, what have you been reading, listening to, or watching lately that you would recommend to our audience? And it doesn't have to be career or professional development. It could just be something you're, you're enjoying. Sure. Um, that's fun. Well, something that I watched was I don't we don't get I, I'm surprised at how little TV I'm actually watching. I guess because there's no sports on, and I, and typically I watch sports on TV. Um, but The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, the Michael Jordan story, the Chicago Bulls. So definitely got into that over the past few weeks and and really enjoyed it. I grew up during Michael Jordan's uh, his reign of power. So right in the '90s, that was right in my wheelhouse, and so it was really fun to relive some of that stuff and and see. Um, and, and just see uh, the, the Michael Jordan story again. Um, so I, I thought that was well done. That was fun. If you haven't seen that, I would check it out because um, he just shows you how, how he really was the greatest player of all time in basketball, I think. Um, we've, we've been watching a lot of Disney movies. When you were talking about The Dam, we've definitely watched Frozen 2 a lot. I have, I have two young daughters, so I have a 10 and almost 8-year-old. And uh, when you're talking about, what are you talking about? The dam, they, they, they have to break down the dam because the ecosystems were, were harmed. So uh, that, that was definitely there. Um, I've been listening to my friend, he plays piano and um, he has been hosting for like, God, I guess it's like 50 something days now. He's been hosting a piano bar on Facebook. And so you comment and request songs and he plays them on the piano and sings them. So pretty much every night at about six, I log into Facebook and, and listen to my buddy play the piano. So that's been a lot of fun during these times. Um, and one book that I think is interesting, it's called 100 Side Hustles, Ideas for Making Extra Money Without Quitting Your Day Job. Um, and I think it's, it's just, it's a really interesting book just because of the ideas people come up with. And I always find that reading uh, something like that just gets me inspired to do you know, do different things or, or look at what I'm doing a little bit differently and say, wow, oh gosh, how'd that person come up with that idea? And a lot of them are real simple ideas. And it's just like, they, they, they dedicated to it and they were able to make it work for them. And so I always find that just kind of inspiring to read. And I think what a great recommendation for these times where the job market has put a lot of people into 
kind of an uncertain situation, it's time yeah. to get that side hustle going, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, Frank, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. This has been the Leverage Your Potential podcast with Senior Manager Frank Wasilewski. And if you are uh, interested in hearing our other episodes, you can find us on Spotify and anywhere else podcasts are available, as well as our blog, which is blog.menlo.edu slash career dash services. Thank you, Frank. Hey, thank you, Dylan. I really enjoyed talking to you today and I hope everybody has a wonderful rest of their week.